This is a, a very exciting event. It's uh, the third in our series of, of conferences. Our first one in 2015 was a, a skills day that we held not far from here um, and really launched our CBS knowledge and its involvement in this area. Uh, last year we had the conference in Edinburgh, um, which was uh, a great success. Uh, and here we are uh, this year again. Um, and as I said, it's tremendous to see so many of you here. One of the things that's unique about RCBS Knowledge is our relationship with the Royal College, because of course we are a partner charity arm of the Royal College of Veterinary Surgeons. We operate independently, we have trustees who, who work independently, but we are nevertheless very closely linked. And that's uh, really important because, of course, the role of the Royal College of Veterinary Surgeons is to establish um, and to maintain and to advance standards of veterinary practice. Uh, indeed, um, you may have seen the recent statement that went out within the context of homeopathy, which really reinforced this very strongly, which said that uh, the Royal College expects treatments to be underpinned by a recognised evidence base. So our, the work that we're doing really is key to the Royal College's objectives as well. And that's reflected in the code to practice where, as I'm sure you're aware, we have the um, high level of requirements in the code which are musts, you must do this. You're going to regret the microphone working in a moment. Um, and then you have the advice that comes below that. And actually at that top level of requirements within the code um, is a requirement that veterinary surgeons and veterinary nurses must be involved with clinical governance. I'm not sure that most vets out there really realise that. And if they do realise it, I suspect many of them are actually quite unclear about what that means. Now, the guidance that goes on within, follows on from within the code as a link, helps to clarify that, uh, but it's meetings like those today that are really going to spread that out and to help give people the tools to embed clinical governance into their work. But clinical governance isn't a very sexy term, is it? I certainly find um, quality improvement a much more attractive term. It's not everything within clinical governance, but it certainly is the major component of it. So um, we're focusing on quality improvement today, but um, I suppose we know what it means, but when you stop and think about it, uh, what does quality actually mean? Um, I suppose we kind of know what it means, um, but pinning it down can be tricky. Um, quality isn't necessarily something good. Something can be bad quality. Um, although this slide also reminds me to say that quality is very much subjective. So um, you may say that ripping your genes shows that the material is poor and, and therefore they're bad quality genes. All these may be very expensive designer genes with very carefully, strategically placed rips, which actually enhance the perceived value of that particular object. So quality is subjective, or quality can be absolute. So you can have a quality fabric, um, 
or a quality politician. But in itself, whilst RCVS knowledge is focused, obviously, very much on evidence-based veterinary medicine and defining and developing uh, and disseminating the evidence base, that in itself doesn't achieve anything. It's a means to an end. And at the end of the day, developing that evidence base is of no value unless we translate that into a change in the way we do things for the better. So really, at the core of what we do is the concept of continuous improvement. So it's that change that's really critical. It's the improvement part of quality. It's the quality improvement that's important. And one of the things that's very much a theme in the Royal College, uh, as we'll hear from Lizzie a little later on today, uh, is developing what could be called a no-blame culture. Um, I don't particularly like the term because there are times where blame has to be a portion. But uh, I prefer the, the term a, a learning culture um, because, again, as I'm sure Lizzie will say, that, that we all make mistakes, we're all human. It's not learning from those mistakes that really is the issue. And there are lots of reasons why veterinary surgeons are defensive. Uh, I think in the back of all our minds, um, we have this lady, uh, or similar, um, where we worry about the possibility of maybe civil action for damages for something we've done wrong. Uh, we worry about um, possible criminal action even for things that we've done wrong. We worry about being hauled up by the Royal College of Veterinary Surgeons for things that we've done wrong. So there are lots of reasons why as veterinary surgeons we should be defensive about what we do. But once we start looking at continual improvement, we actually start with the premise that we can always do things better. And that's a really important concept. And once you start setting objectives and trying to improve your performance, you very quickly realise that you can only do that if you work effectively as a team. And that's not just a team of vets, it's not even just a team of vets and vet nurses. It's a whole practice team. We all know the scenario where we think we've done a really good job with a client and uh, they leave the consulting room, you're feeling really good about it, and then you overhear them talking to receptionists and saying, what am I supposed to do now? Um, you've all got to be seen from the same hymn sheet. And, and getting that attitude, that cultural change, where everybody accepts that we can always do things better and we should always be striving to improve what we do, is a really important cultural change. And again, there's a lot of talk in the profession about leadership. And actually, that's what leadership is. Leadership is about changing the culture of an organisation. Management is about working within that culture. So continual improvement is absolutely key to leadership. And also, in terms of a learning culture um, and, and a no-blame culture, if you like, we also need to understand that difference between competence and performance. We're human, for better or for worse. Very complex machines. We work in a very complex environment. 
And we very rarely actually work optimally all the time. That doesn't mean to say we're incompetent. It just means that we're, inhuman, that we're human. And we should always be reflecting on how we're performing and how we can do that better. And recognising our imperfections and those around us, having the emotional intelligence to do that, and not expect to be superhuman. And there's a very important link there to mental health within the venting profession, because I think it's this expectation of being constantly perfect to what we do that actually results in many of the mental stress problems that, that we see that cause burnout and sometimes worse within the profession. So I hope I've convinced you that the concept of quality improvement is a really important one. And um, because of that, within our CBS knowledge, uh, we've set up a quality improvement advisory board, uh, which I've been privileged to chair. But very importantly, it has a, a real cross-section of membership, not just veterinary surgeons working in practice, but we certainly do have them. Uh, we have veterinary nurse representation, we have academic representation, and we also have input from those working in other spheres, particularly the... Uh, human health sphere and our objective is to provide support to practice because we echo the health foundations aspirations that veterinary care should be primarily safe goes back to those very first principles that we should be doing no harm secondly that it's effective and we need to gather and promote that body of knowledge that we require for evidence-based veterinary medicine in order to assure ourselves of its effectiveness. And it needs to be, well, in, on the human side, patient-centred. And we should remember our patients. They are obviously really important and think about their experience within our practices. But also, of course, client-centred. And I often think that we overuse the term compliance. Um, it's a bit of a buzzword, or it has been in the veterinary profession, but I generally don't like it because compliance is all about trying to make our clients do what we tell them to do. There's sometimes a, a place for that, but I much prefer the term concordance. You could say it's just semantics, but I think it is quite different because concordance is about agreeing with our clients about a, jointly, a joint way forward in terms of getting to the best pace we can with our patients. So I think that the semantics really does make a difference. So um, in terms of what we're going to do practically, we, we have already, today in fact, started rolling out an e-learning platform you can access this uh, by going to the RCBS Knowledge website. Uh, it's completely free uh, and it's designed so that it's easy for people in practice to actually learn about embedding quality improvement processes into their work in bite-sized chunks. Uh, we also uh, have an awards program coming up. So what we're hoping is that after we've inspired you today, you're going to be rushing away to put these processes into place, and we want to hear about it. 
Um, we'll be offering awards. Over a period of time, we're going to let this run for at least a year to give a chance for those processes to get embedded and really make a difference. And then we're going to have a very glitzy award ceremony that I'm sure will uh, put the, Academy, the uh, uh, Oscar ceremony uh, to shame. So, just to sum up, um, continual improvement in terms of quality of care that we provide is something I think that we all buy into. It's why we became vets in the first place. And as you saw in the video, there's that, that well-known saying that um, even a, a journey, I think it talks about a leap in the video, but even a journey of a thousand miles starts with just one single small step. So I think that wherever you're starting from, whatever level you're starting at, I hope that you're going to leave today armed with the tools that you can apply and the inspiration to take those first extra steps from wherever you are and actually embark on a journey that I'm confident will transform your practice. Thank you.